WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grove. This week we're joined by writer artist Rob Guillory, who's here to talk about his new image series, Farmhand, which just debuted uh, July 11th. Uh, he's going to talk about that, his plans for San Diego Comic Con, uh, what he learned from his last image series, Chew, with John Lehman, and the state of his appetite as the creator of comics that feature cannibalism, chivopathy, and organically grown human body parts. Uh, meanwhile, let's talk about what's going on over at WMQComics.com. Um, a lot of good content, as always. Uh, we had reviews this week of Farmhand Number 1, which you can check out. And uh, from Joshua Bermont, uh, Superman Number 1, uh, the new volume by Bendis. And She Could Fly from Dark Horse's Burger Books imprint. Uh, we also did a piece on retailers talking about their reaction to the release of Die, 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 the uh, surprise Beyonce-like uh, Robert Kirkman comic that came out this past week. And uh, you can go back and listen to some of the old episodes of WMQ&A, including the one we did last week at Farpoint Toys, uh, kind of talking all about uh, comics retail. Uh, anyway, here is me and Rob. Uh, so we're recording this uh, the day before Farmhand Number One hits stores. It's it's Tuesday. How are you uh, feeling right now that your uh, your your new baby is just hours from being in readers' hands and tablets? <laughs> it's a uh, it's a little weird. I mean, mostly just because. I mean, I started working on Farmhand back in January of 2016. So, I mean, I, I've kept it pretty close to the vest up until uh, last February when I announced it at Image Expo. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's weird because I'm starting to see people comment on on story stuff. And, uh, you know, whenever I, I when they tell me things about my own book, I kind of freak out. I'm like, you know, like, who let it slip? Like, is, has there been a leak? Like, I, <laughs> Like I keep forgetting, oh, it's actually on shelves, and people are actually gonna gonna know what it is now. So, but I'm excited. Um, who was kind of like who was sort of you know, prior to Image Expo? Who was kind of in on it that you were you know working on this thing? Um, well, professionally, I, yeah. I I kept it pretty tight. I mean, I told the first guy I told actually this is funny. Um, the first guy I, I kind of told the rough pitch to. I mean, literally within 10 minutes of me getting the idea was actually Phil Hester. Uh, Phil Hester is an amazing comic artist, writer who have uh, who's been around the industry forever. He's kind of like the Yoda of comics. Mm -hmm. Um, So like me and Phil were actually talking about working together post Chew. And, uh, you know, we were kind of throwing ideas back and forth. And I actually pitched uh, farmhand to him. It was it was actually the initial. I mean, literally, I had this idea and within 10 minutes. I emailed him, and I still have the email, and I was calling it uh, The Farm mm-hmm. uh, back then. And uh, he, he, he liked the idea, but he passed on it. So I just, you know, I liked it so much, I decided, well, screw it. I guess I have to work on this thing by myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, But yeah, Phil was the first guy. Uh, John Lehman was, uh, was the next. Uh, and I was really, and it was months before I told John, uh, just because I really, you know, I, I really have a lot of respect for John. John was kind of the, the big gauge for me, uh, you know, other than my wife. I mean, John was the other was the other guy whose opinion I really cared about um, because I was a fan of John actually before we ever started working on Chew. I was actually his book Puffed that he did at Image Comics back in, I think, 01 okay. um, was really, really important for my career. Like, I mean, I was just starting to really take comics seriously as as a profession. And I was just starting to go to conventions and whatnot, and Puffed was huge. Uh, I mean, the art style on it was super influential on me. The artist was a guy named uh, Dave Crosland, who's actually a friend of mine now. Um, but I, I just, Layman's sense of humor, his writing style stayed with me. I followed him on to like Scarface and all these other different books. And, you know, next thing you know, we ended up working, working together. Um, so, yeah, he was naturally going to be the one of the first guys I kind of, told it to and I sent him a lot of the early scripts and uh yeah he gave me his two cents on them and uh, other than him uh, Cody Chamberlain who's a, a really good friend of mine he's another writer artist he's actually my my letterer on farmhand he did the logo for the for the book also um uh, a guy named Ross Thibodeau who's an up-and-coming uh screenwriter who's a good another really good friend of mine I've worked with him before uh for uh on Boom Studios uh, WWE comic we did a backup story Oh, you guys did those uh, New Day shorts, right? Yeah, right, right. Me and Ross go way, way back. So he's another guy whose opinion I really, really value. 
But other than that, I mean, it was it was very, very few people that I was bouncing this off of. Um, have you been looking at any of the, the, the early buzz the past couple of weeks going into the release of the book? Uh, I've seen a couple things. I mean, I, I've been trying to kind of uh, like not steep myself too much in it. I mean, I've it's hard to know, you know, what's what's real. Um, I mean, it's I, I'm not really a big social media guy. Like I use it pretty sparingly. Mm hmm. You know, I'll, I'll pop on and kind of see what's on my timeline and, you know, maybe see, a you know, check out a, other, a couple other people. But that's pretty much it. Um, but everything seems pretty positive and people seem the, the few that have read it seem to be really into it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got my fingers crossed and, you know, people stick around for the whole story because I feel like the first issue, you know, I really try to I feel like I felt like I had to hit the ground running and I felt like I had to. um really show uh, the the some some of the more complex dynamics of the book um it, it, it's tough i mean it's tough really just writing a first issue uh it, you know it's especially tough to write a solicit for the first issue <laughs> and uh you know trying to boil down like exactly what a what a comic the entire premise of a of a comic in like you know in 75 words it's, it's really, really difficult. And we face that with Chu. I mean, you know, Chu's initial solicit basically just talked about Tony Chu as a guy who ate stuff and got psychic visions. It didn't get into, you know, bird flu or any of the, the crazier stuff that came in later. And I had a similar problem with farmhand. You know, it, 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 there was this hook, you know, an organic farmer who grows human organs. But there was all these other elements I wanted to get into with like get the family dynamics and kind of the espionage elements. And I didn't have, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of space to play with it. But I, I there's a reason why it's 32 pages of, of story. I, I really like stretched it and tried to make it feel as organic, you know, pardon the pun, as, as possible. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the thing. Um, so like you mentioned, you got to announce at Image Expo, which you know, obviously, you know, for those who are unfamiliar, it's like this crazy day long press conference where it's just sort of, you know, uh, prestige book after prestige book after genre fiction book after, you know, big name creators, new title after Robert Kirkman appearance. And, you know, overall, you've been you know, you've kind of been doing a lot of press for Farmhand. Um, did you mm -hmm. you know, is this something that you did with Chu as well or is this kind of a new muscle that you're you're, you're flexing with Farmhand? Both. I mean, with Chu, you know, we. We were starting from zero, at least I was. I mean, John had been around the industry for a while, but he had never really, you know, had a really big hit. So he was still kind of, we were both starting, you know, kind of as no names, especially me, because Chu was really my first, like, you know, uh, like full, you know, book where I carried the art, like on my own. Everything else I had done before then was like anthologies. Um, so we did some press with Chu. I mean, most of it was us hustling. Because uh, I don't know, like Image was really behind us back then. But, you know, I don't think they really, they didn't, they liked the book from the beginning. But I don't think they really expected Chu to hit. Um, you know, none of us really did. I mean, I, I was optimistic. But, I mean, you know, no one could have expected what happened. But, yeah, it, we were actually, like, putting out feelers and kind of running. We would hit up, you know, comic book resources. And, you know, I basically would make content that, you know, I'd, I'd give it to them for free. Like I, I, had an, I had an entire sketchbook, like a PDF sketchbook that I sent out to like various, uh, you know, sites and said, hey, how about running this on your site? And who's going to turn that down? <laughs> right. So, so that was kind of what we did back then. But now with Farmhand, you know, most guys know me from Chew. Uh, so there was a base. And I think since Chew ended, there was kind of, there's a bit of a, a, little, a little, you know, gap that the book left. Um, that I think people have actually been kind of interested in. And I think people have been interested in the fact that I'm, I'm writing this thing and doing it solo, you know? So I, it's, I have been doing a lot of press. Um, and it's just, it's been really organic. Like people seem to be really kind of intrigued, uh, which is good. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect when I was announcing it at, at Image Expo. It was actually pretty terrifying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, I was sitting on it for, for over a year at that point. And I had only told a select few people and, you know, I actually didn't want to go to Image Expo, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I was trying to debut Farmhand like last year because uh, I was really, I, it had been so long since I had a, a published thing out 
you know, a year after Chu came out, I really wanted Farmhand to, to come out, but it just didn't fall that way. I just hit delay after delay after delay. So Image Expo just rolled around and it lined up perfectly. And thank God, you know, when I, when I, you know, there's nothing more terrifying than, than announcing your book for the first time in front of people, <laughs> <laughs> like, on, like on camera while you're streaming on the internet, you know, it, it was, it was pretty nerve wracking. It's, it's different from a normal con panel in that there's even more eyes on you beyond who's in the room. Right, right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it ended up being for the best. I mean, I think, I, I think like, like you were in your previous question, this has been a different beast for me because, you know, as for whatever reason, uh, I think because a lot of times the, the, you know, the concept begins with the writer a lot of times. So mm -hmm. a lot of times press is more interested in the writer than the artist you know even with Chu, i did a, i did my fair share of interviews but most of it was, was layman and which was totally cool i mean Chu was more his baby than mine mm -hmm. with, with this thing i knew like holy crap you know i'm gonna have to be out front talking about it and really talking about you know my motivations behind it and where it's coming from and that's kind of intimidating to me because it's it's a lot more uh it's a lot more comfortable to kind of play the background because then i don't have to like be as vulnerable or be, or be as uh as uh you know upfront about things um you know knowing all that do you feel like san diego uh next weekend is going to be less stressful or more stressful than uh than that than image expo well i'm i'm actually um it's funny i i've i haven't been to san diego, san diego comic-con in about three years uh before that i went to to 10 years straight and uh it, it's it was all always a madhouse uh but the last time i went it just burned me i was just so exhausted <laughs> that i just thought why do i do this to myself every year so uh i took the last few years off and i honestly when i picked the date for uh for the farmhand uh, number one release i didn't realize san diego was a week like a week later so Image actually came, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, San Diego's like a week later. Why don't you come out? I was like, ah, crap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like I guess I have to go. Uh, but, but by that point, I had already had a signing. I was signing the Saturday of San Diego Comic-Con uh, in Houston at Bedrock City Comics. Mm -hmm. I actually have two, uh, two, two of their stores. So I'm actually only going to be in Comic-Con uh, the Wednesday and then half of Thursday. So I'm doing it really, like, really, uh, really tight. Mm -hmm. which I'm kind of okay with because <laughs> I get to, I get to leave and uh, maintain my sanity uh, to a degree. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am excited. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to kind of get in front of this and sign it. I mean, for the very first time, uh, you know, in front of the San Diego comic-con crowd. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm not as anxious as I would be, you know, under a different circumstance, I guess, for whatever reason, I'm pretty comfortable with San Diego. Um, do they have you doing any panels for those first two days? No, I'm actually the the way I I kind of mapped it out. Like I kind of mapped it out mostly so I could get in. Like I'm doing one signing on preview night, uh, right before the show opens at Kamikaze Books in okay. uh, San Diego. Uh, that's like a three or four hour signing, and then right after that, uh, preview night opens. But I'm actually not working preview night. I'm actually just doing press uh, preview night. Like I have. I had like five or six different uh, press outlets reach out. And uh, so I'm kind of just scheduling a bunch of press on Wednesday night. And then Thursday morning, I have some press. And then I have uh, one signing at, at the image booth from 10 to 11. And then right after that, I have more press. I have a couple meetings. And then I'm flying out like right after that. So it, it's, it's kind of a madcap. Like I'm going to say hey to some people, do a little bit of press. Uh, you know, probably uh, have breakfast, uh, some dinners with some friends, and then I'm, I'm getting out. <laughs> so it should be fun. Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, yeah. in, the, in the period between leaving Chu and, and, and Image Expo, were you getting a lot of offers in the meantime that you had to turn down, kind of knowing what you were working on? It was funny. I mean, we didn't – you know, we, we honestly kind of – the entire time we were working on Chu – we were kind of, uh, we were trying to do like the Jeff Smith model, which was, you know, you, you do bone and, uh, you know, by the time you finish, you've got this, this kind of epic behind you. And, you know, then you go do Shazam, you do Captain Marvel <laughs> for like five issues. Mm -hmm. You do this, this, this prestige format thing. 
and then maybe you come back with Razzle. Uh, that was really what we wanted to do. Like we wanted, we figured that when shoot ended, that you know we would have open doors at Marvel and DC and that kind of thing. But what was funny was like for whatever reason we just couldn't get traction. I mean I think that we had a we have a really really like large like surprisingly large fan base with Chew and we've had a lot of success with it. Like the, the book is a really beloved book. Uh, but for whatever reason, even after I think we've proven ourselves that we can sell comics. Uh, even as oddball and awkward as, as, as we are together, I think the big two still don't really get it. Um, and I, I think some of it was like we, and we have fans at the big two at Marvel mm -hmm. and D mo mo mostly at Marvel. Um, we have editors that are huge fans of ours. Like CB Sabolsky himself was pr pretty much the guy who discovered me. Um, but for whatever reason, they just didn't know what to do with us. And I think honestly, it was probably for the best um, because I would have, you know, I would have shelved Farmhand to go do something else. You know, if, if I was offered Spider-Man or something, you know, I'm not a huge geek, but like I'm a big enough geek that Spider-Man's pretty tempting. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I mean, I think, I think it was more of a blessing in hindsight that nothing really, nothing substantial or super interesting really materialize. I mean, there were a few offers from, from, from some indie publishers that were kind of tempting, mm -hmm. but again, like I just, you know, I didn't really care about anything. <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't care about any other story, but farmhand, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, like we, John and I were playing around with some ideas of pitching some things, uh, to the big two. And, you know, there was the initial uh, excitement, but then within, you know, five minutes, I realized, well, this is just going to be more pain than it's worth. <laughs> like, this is not going to be, this is not going to be the Chew experience. You know, the Chew experience kind of spoiled us. You know, we were, we were basically left to our own devices. It was just me and John making the comic we wanted to make and doing real, really well with it and having fun. And the reality is, you know, when you work for, 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 for a big two, you know, you're, you're going to have to make some concessions that you're not going to have, you're not going to make when it's your own thing. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, I just went all in on farmhand and basically, you know, took a few gigs, a few small gigs here and there. But yeah, my head was down to the grindstone for a good year and a half, just working on this one thing. Um, well, I, I will say, uh, you know, I did uh, the uh, the New Day backups in the, in the WWE comic. I very much enjoyed the uh, caveman Ric Flair fighting the, uh, <laughs> fighting a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that that was surprising because I mean, like I said, license work. I've had some some love hate relationships with my license work, and uh, the WWE stuff was surprisingly uh, fun. Like I mean, I think I was expecting them to have uh, to be more heavy handed in their editorial, but they were really cool. I mean, I don't know if it was just because they didn't care or what, but <laughs> they were like, you know, when we pitched them the idea of, hey, you know, how about putting the new day back in time with the dinosaur and, you know, this other, you know, unicorn, like evil unicorn video game characters, like <laughs> WWE was like, yep, sure. Go for it. <laughs> okay, cool. So we, we got to really go crazy with that thing. That's great. Um, so you started work, you know, developing farhand, uh, like you said, about a year before Chew ended, how far along are you in, in the book now? Uh, at the moment, I well, I plotted out pretty much the entire series. Like I'm planning it as, uh, you know, if the sales hold out, I, I I picture it as like a 25 to 30 issue series, a finite series. So I'm working toward an ending. Um, but at this point, I've written the entire first arc. Uh, so I'm, right now, I'm actually drawing. I'm almost done uh, penciling issue five. Um, and I've already started laying out, uh, the next five issues. So up to issue, uh, 10, like I actually have like last week, I already, like I said, I have the outline. So I'm kind of, you know, from the outline, I'm kind of taking it out in chunks and I have kind of a template for every issue, a, a script template that I'm kind of, uh, working into and laying out what happens in every issue, like scene by scene. Um, it's just the way I think, uh, I kind of feel story. Like I'm really just kind of, I can, I can just feel how it, how the beats should go. Um, so I'm kind of laying it out, scene by scene, what happens in every, every issue and the arc overall. 
So at this point, I'm, I'm about to start writing the second arc uh, in the next, I'd say in the next few weeks. Okay. Um, what are what are some of the things that you learned making to that you kind of feel like you're applying now to, to this new book? Oh, man, I, I learned a lot on Chew. I mean, I think I was so anal. I mean, I was I was 25 or 26 when I started Chew. And uh, I was really, really anal about everything. Like everything had to be perfect. Uh, and I, I really it was a hindrance to me. So I think with Farmhand, I've really uh, I've learned that sometimes you just kind of throw crap against a wall and hope it sticks. <laughs> I mean, I think I mean, I, I've I'm putting my all into it and I believe in I believe in what I'm making. I think it's high quality. I think it's solid. But at the same time, uh, you know, I'm just kind of letting it ride and trying, uh, you know, if I fail, I fail, but I'm going to fail spectac spectacularly. Um, but other than that, I mean, I really learned a lot about pacing, about uh, kind of laying out a large story. Uh, I mean, with Chu, you know, Layman, I, I, I learned so much from him just from sitting under him for, you know, eight years and 60 plus issues. You know, I, I learned how he kind of mapped out that entire series from the beginning. Uh, you know, the first time I met John in person, you know, and we, he had he had asked me to do Chew, um, he basically told me the ending of the book. So, like, I knew from the beginning, like, holy crap, he knows this entire thing. Uh, and he had he had markers like, you know, this happens in issue one. This happens in five. This happens in 15. This happens in 30. This is a 45. Here's 60. Um, but within that, you know, those are the milestones. But within that, there's a lot of flex room to just move things around and have fun. That's kind of a similar way how with how I'm working with Farmhand. Like I, I know I know my beginning, I know my ending. There's certain milestones every few issues that I am hitting. But uh, like I said, you know, as I start working into uh, working into the outline and shaping uh, the details of every uh, individual issue, you know, I, there's lots. I'm having a lot of fun just screwing around with the characters and kind of letting the characters kind of emerge. Um, you know, it's funny, like I, I used to kind of think it was BS, like hearing these writers say like, oh, you know, you know, the character just kind of like showed up, uh, you know, the character just kind of, you know, was who he wanted to be. And I always thought that was just kind of pretentious <laughs> and just kind of, you know, a writer being, you know, right. Like, right. Yeah, I, I don't know, whatever. But I'm, I'm seeing that happen. Like these characters are starting to go in, in, in directions I never really expected them to go in and it's been super super fun to get into but uh yeah i think those are kind of the two big things i've learned from chew yeah uh in, in reading the first issue and, and kind of reading what you've written it or or said about it uh you know this book's obviously a very personal project for you you know you've talked before about the parts of the story that relate to your life growing up in louisiana being in a mixed race family uh, mm -hmm. when you conceived the series had you kind of always intended those those correlations, that little, that little, those little bits of, of autobiography. No, honestly, I mean the, the the pitch when the idea hit me, it 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 was really simple. Like the first image I got was just the tree with the limbs growing off of it, and it was this really creepy image. And I immediately got it, like or, an organic farmer who grows you know human organs, and uh, I thought it's so punny. Someone has to have done this by now. Like, there's no way that this is a new a new idea. Um, and I, I usually, you know, I've said this in other interviews, but like I, you know, in the past, whenever I get an idea, I go Google it to see if there's anything like it. Sure. And there was always something like it. And it always crushed me. And just, I would just abandon the idea and just all of my excitement would just go away. But uh, with this thing, you know, I, it hit me and I decided right then and there, like, I am not looking. I'm, I'm just going to make this thing, I'm going to make it so different and so just unique. And I knew that my art style would have a lot to do with it. Because regardless of, even if there was something out there kind of like this, my art more than likely uh, would separate it from whatever was, what, it, what, what was already out there. Mm -hmm. um, so like, that was one piece of it. But then when I, was, I started getting into the characters, I started thinking about, okay, so organic farmer, gross body parts. You know, who is this guy um, and where is this going to take place? And there are certain things that I just kind of did just uh, because they were super interesting to me and I'd never seen them done in a comic before. Like I, I kind of went into it like, 
okay, farmer. And what's the first thing that jumps into your head? You, you think of like, you know, old McDonald. <laughs> but at least that's what I, that's what I think of. You know, I think of the stereotype, you know, and then I started thinking, okay, but what if like, what if he's a black, what if he's black? Like, what, what does that do? What if I make that one little tweak? What, what happens? Well, that introduces a whole other level of, uh, of connotations of, of, of history behind that. Mm-hmm. And then what if we make that, what if we make it in the South, which is where I'm from, that brings in a whole other bunch of connotations and, and, and backstory. Um, and then, you know, as I got into it and started really thinking about the characters, you know, why would this guy make this, you know, why would, why, why would he grow human organs? Well, maybe he's got some kind of God complex. Maybe there's something in his own life that he's trying to compensate for. You know, maybe his family is in disarray and he can't fix that, but maybe he can fix other people with this thing. Um, so it kind of started emerging that way. Uh, and there were certain things that, uh, you know, like I said, in the, it's been 10 years since I started Chew. A lot happened during that time. You know, I was 25, 26 when I started it. My wife and I had only been married about a year and we didn't have any kids. And, you know, in that 10 years, you know, we had, you know, three kids uh, and we, you know, we've been married 11 years now and a lot has happened. I mean, a lot has happened in my, in my, in this family that we're making and in my family of origin, a lot of things happened and I had been percolating on them and kind of reflecting on them, all these growing pains and as awesome as Chu was, you know, it wasn't a place where I could ever, I, I could actually deal with the things that I was kind of percolating on. And I needed a thing. Yeah, you know, I love the book. I love Chu and I'm really proud of everything we did, but it wasn't the place where I could kind of like kind of bring the deeper things that were kind of on my heart that I had been spinning on over and over again for 10 years. And, uh, that's where farmhand was. I mean, that that it made sense to bring in all these things I had been ruminating on about being a parent, about being a husband, about being a, a, a son, uh, having to deal with, you know, the awful reality that, you know, uh, that sometimes the choices that we make as parents, sometimes even before our kids get here, you know, those cho- those choices can actually manifest and kind of sprout in our kids' lives in really, really unexpected ways. And it's essentially, this, it's a Frankenstein, uh, you know, monster. You know, it's, it's, you know, we make this thing and, uh, you know, we make it with the best of intentions. <laughs> you know, it's always like, you know, I'm gonna do this thing and it's gonna be good. And then next thing you know, it's like roaming the countryside killing people. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, holy crap, like what did I just do? Um, so I've been ru- ruminating on all of those things and they all came out in farmhand. And it blindsided me, honestly, because I mean, post shoe, you know, I honestly, for the first few months, I kind of was just, you know, I wrote farmhand a month after shoe ended. <laughs> uh, and then the next four, about three or four months, I did nothing but write farmhand. I mean, I didn't, I, I think I maybe had one little side gig, but it really it was just me hanging around my house like walking in my driveway and thinking about this book and it started emerging and there were layers and layers that started kind of emerging and I didn't even know where it came from. Uh, like all the family stuff, all the, the generational curse things and everything that's behind it. And I didn't even know where it was coming from, but the reality is, you know, my wife didn't point this out to me until last year or earlier this year when I was already well into making farmhand. You know, she reminded me, hey, you know, you know, I was a painting major. My degree is in is in fine arts painting. And I had forgotten that my senior thesis uh, in 2005 was actually uh, a series of paintings featuring people as plants. Um, and I completely forgot. I forgot I had done that because just oh, wow. so much has happened since then. And clear. And a lot of it had to do with like I didn't even have kids yet. We didn't have any kids till '07. Or no, we didn't have any kids till 2011 actually. But there were like you know pregnant women with seeds and children sprouting and all these things that I was already ruminating on. I mean, this is what 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already there. And it all just came out in farmhand. So this is really 
interesting kind of uh, manifestation. Oh wow! Um, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, you know, kind of keeping with the, with the family uh, drama that is at the core of this book. You know, obviously Jed has his secrets. Uh, Zeke has struggled with addiction. The kids mm. seem pretty normal. <laughs> um, obviously Zeke wants to protect them, but as their creator, you kind of have a duty to maybe not imperil them, but to sort of embed them in, in the, in the family struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it when it comes to, to, to writing the kids and kind of thinking about what you want to do with them as far as kind of making them part of the drama? I, I think a lot of it has to do with, man, how has it been? I mean, a lot of the, the, the early arc, uh, at least the the first arc with the kids is is really just uh, a lot of it's just fun. A lot of it's just exploring uh, their reaction, their fun reaction to this world, and how they don't even really fully understand what's happening around them. Um, you know, it's really it's it's mostly fun and games. The first arc, there's some danger and everything in, in, involved with the kids, but really like the stuff that I'm working toward with those characters is. Uh, kind of the idea of how ultimately relationships and things like that in families kind of echo, mm-hmm. like how certain relationship dynamics, like, you know, I have a relationship dynamic with my daughter, my daughter's four. And, you know, it's really strange. I'm seeing echoes of my own relationship with my mom and my, and my daughter in me and my daughter's relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where the hell did that come from? Like, how did that, like, where is that coming from? So, like, a lot of it has to do with um, how Zeke is going to deal with things, uh, you know, dynamics in his relationships with his own children echoing his relationship with his own parents. So that's a lot of what I'm dealing with is, is this repeated pattern of this things echoing uh, and rippling down through generations. Um, so I, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know if that's too abstract, but that's a lot of what I'm thinking about. And some of it is, you know, physical danger and things like that. But a lot of it is just pure, uh, emotional, uh, emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, as you're, as you're, you know, writing and, and drawing this your, yourself, who's kind of, your your sounding board when you're working through problems with story. My wife probably more than anything else. Um, my my wife is she's not a comic person. Um, like she she's a big fan of she's a big fan of my work, uh, and she's a fan of a few things. Like she liked Saga, she liked uh, Kabuki by David Mack. Um, so there's a few few guys she really really enjoys their work, but for the most part, she's not much of a comic fan and honestly she's not much of a fan of most things uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean she's really uh she's really has very high standards and if she just doesn't like something she just doesn't like it but you know my wife was actually the first person who read the chew scripts you know we were we you know the day john layman gave me the script for chew and the pitch you know we were the very next day we were flying out to san diego comic-con in 2008 so, you know, he sent me the pitch and he sent me the first few issues. I printed them out. And then on the plane to San Diego, my wife actually read them before I ever did. I don't even I don't know why I didn't read them, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I, I don't think like I was super excited because I loved John's work. And, you know, the fact that he was reaching out to me, I was very excited about. But I don't think I took it very seriously. Um, but my wife read it and she loved it. And like I said, she doesn't like most things. So I immediately thought, oh, okay. Like she was right. Like she was right about you. Like she was right about my place in it and, you know, everything that happened. So she has been the biggest sounding board. Like I can bring her things and she can look at it uh, pretty objectively. I mean, she does, she, she doesn't, my relationship with her has nothing to do, does not affect uh, how she feels about the work. Mm-hmm. at all i mean if it's bad work she's the first person to let me know um so yeah she is easily the the biggest sounding board i have but i've i've learned i mean i've it's it's built a uh i built a pretty thick skin because of it because i mean you know it's it's your wife mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean initially i mean in the early years of us being together i would tell her things stuff i was working on and she would ask me hard hard questions and she asked me like well, why are you doing that 
And I didn't, I never thought about why back in the day, like when I was in college, like I just thought like, oh, I'm just doing this because this is cool. And she was the one who asked me the deeper questions of, well, no, like, what do you mean when you say this? What do you mean when you draw this, when you write this? Where is this coming from? So she's, she's the biggest sounding board I have for all of this. And she's been, she's been very supportive and very, uh, it's, she hasn't had a lot of critiques for me, which has been interesting. Uh, she's just really into it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, she's, she's my girl. That's great. You've got, you've got your kind of first draft editor right there in the house. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, she, I wrote the first script for issue one, like three times. And, um, you know, she, she was absolutely right. Cause the first two drafts were awful. <laughs> I, mean, I, I completely scrapped them and started, you know, all over again. But since then I've had, I've kind of hit my stride and she's been really supportive. That's great. Um, you mentioned that John pitched, uh, Chew to you, uh, kind of going back a little bit, how did you guys connect in the first place? Well, I, we had met a year before Chew ever, uh, ever came into the into the picture but he didn't remember it <laughs> like i i remembered it because i was a fan of his but he was he wasn't in comics at the time he was just writing video games and uh yeah he we met and uh you know he didn't remember it and a year later i was uh i'd been working with a guy named brandon jerwa for tokyo pop okay and we were uh, we were working on this book and you know it fell apart as soon as i finished it and it never got published. So I was kind of, you know, stuck looking for something. And around that time, you know, Layman had been kind of pitching around Chu, um, kind of, you know, here and there over the years. Like he was an editor. He was an editor at Wildstorm. So he had pitched it to, to, uh, to Vertical, I believe. And they uh, they told him, you know, don't, don't make this book. Like, don't. <laughs> like, if you make this book, it's the end of your career. Do not make Chu. Uh, so he had decided after, you know, after a lot of deliberation, he was just done with comics mm-hmm. and he, he, he thought that Chu would be his, uh, his kind of middle finger to the comic industry. Um, so he saved up, uh, this, this kind of nest egg to hire an artist to make Chu. And he asked, uh, a writer buddy, his Brandon Jerwa, like, Hey, you know, do you know anyone who would be good for this? And like I said, I was working with, with Brandon, uh, at Tokyo pop. So he immediately thought of me. And Layman thought it was a horrible idea because uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, and he's like an, a manga artist? Like, this is not what I'm looking for. And then he went to my website and he saw that I'm actually not, I'm a manga influence, but my stuff's not, actually was not appropriate for, for Tokyo Pop at all, really. Um, so from there, he just blind emailed me, uh, which was interesting because I had just quit. I had a night job at that point. Um, I was working for a transportation company as a dispatcher at night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and at that point, you know, I, at some point I started getting work while I was, uh, while I was working this job, I was still going to conventions and I was still trying to get work. So I started getting more and more paying work. So my wife and I just decided, screw it. You know, this is what you want to do. You're starting to get paying work. Just, you know, let's work out a five-year plan. You go all in and, uh, you know, go do this comic thing. And then as soon as I decided to do that, within two weeks, John emailed me and offered me Chew. Uh, so it wor- it lined up perfectly. That's awesome. Um, what is your What is your work schedule like? Do you try to get as much done as you can while... Um, I mean, I guess some of your kids are, you're younger, so they're not all in school yet, but you know, mm-hmm. wh- when is your sort of optimal time to work? Well, this is the summer. So the summer has been destroying me because mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's home. Um, but usually, I, I mean, I work pretty much an eight to five kind of schedule. Uh, I, I was a lot more loosey goosey before we had kids, but now I actually want to be around. <laughs> so, so I'm, uh, I usually work. Like eh, like a nine, more of a, a nine to five kind of thing. Like I usually bring at least one of my kids to school, uh, and then after that I head to the office. And usually I'm I'm um, doing some email in the morning and doing some penciling and inking in the afternoon. I usually I'm I'm a I'm generally around the page a day guy. Um, so yeah, and I only work pretty much Monday through Friday. Don't work any Saturdays or Sundays. I'm usually just home with the kids. Um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. But you have like you have an office you can phys- you know go to that's kind of separate from all of that. Well, I do have a home office. I have a home okay. office, but I also have a remote office. Um, 
the but the more and more uh you know i'm working at the we actually just moved into a new office uh last week mm-hmm. that's that's really nice so I, I i do more work at that office the home office is just in case you know if i have to work at home in a pinch mm-hmm. I, I have i had the freedom to do that but yeah i, I mostly work the remote one and uh, you know you mentioned obviously you're you're kind of you're farther ahead in scripting than you are in in drawing how do you kind of break all that down do you have like a are you like super regimented and like okay this is this is writing time this is you know drawing time or mm-hmm. how, you know how how does how do you kind of break that down well i think how it's going to break down for me is i you know i'm not a multitasking guy uh like i i'm actually not good at multitasking i'm, I'm you know i have to focus on one chunk of of, of a thing at a time mm-hmm. so with the first arc of Farmhand, like I said, I took a, a few months off, like two to three months, I believe, and only wrote. Um, I mean, I did minimal drawing. I was just focusing on script. And I think with, uh, you know, when once, like I said, when, when I'm done penciling and inking issue five, which should be the next few weeks, after that, I'm kind of locking myself away, um, probably for a couple months, and I'm gonna I'm gonna power through. Uh, the five issues, the next five issues, mm-hmm. and then after that, I'm going to go jump right into the penciling and the inking mm-hmm. of uh, of the second arc. So I just have to. I, I my brain doesn't really work that, that way that I can kind of. And I've tried it where I, you know I write in the mornings, I I draw in the afternoons. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't work. Like I'm still I process things kind of in layers. Like so whenever I whenever I'm scripting, I'm processing it one way. And then, and I'm writing full scripts with like panel breakdowns and uh, dialogue and everything. And uh, so that's one layer of, of processing what this story is. And then I kind of step away from it for a while and then I pick it up to pencil it. And it's essentially like a different person wrote it by that point. Because um, there's sometimes I've gone back to, you know, I'm working on issue five, like I said, but I wrote issue five like last year. So, so there were things I'd forgotten uh, that I'd written. So I went back, and now I'm I'm re I'm drawing it now, and it's like it's like a whole other layer of storytelling on top of my scripting. And some of it's editing my own work, some of it's leaving it as, it, as is. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I can only process one thing at a time. Apparently, <laughs> um, do you kind of do you foresee yourself using kind of the, the hiatus model that a lot of image books uh, use where, you know, five or six issues come out kind of monthly, regularly, trade comes out, and you get, publishing-wise, you know, you get like a little break for a couple of months and then kind of come back for another five or six? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, actually, we were, we, with uh, with Chu, we were kind of like one of the first books that kind of pitched that idea because, I mean, I was, I was penciling, uh, penciling, inking, and coloring Chew in the in the very beginning. Wow! And uh, that was a lot. <laughs> that was that was really really a lot. So at some point, like I wanted to take a break between issue five and six, between the first story arc and the second one. Mm-hmm. But uh, Image was really really you know adamant. Like no, you have to keep the momentum for now. Like just do the ten issues, you know, ten ten issues in ten months, and then take a take a break. And I did. I did 10 issues in 10 months, and it almost killed me. Um, I, I swore I'd never do that again. So, yeah, now, you know, 10 years later, it's become more commonplace that, you know, books have kind of an off-season where they go and make the work. And so that's definitely what I'm doing. So my, my rough plan at the moment is to, you know, get through this first arc. The trade will be coming out in January. And I'm thinking, you know, presuming sales don't tank and there actually is a second arc. Uh, that that uh, the second arc will probably begin uh, around March ish, and uh, and then that will run monthly for five issues uh, for five months, and then you know take off take off another three to four months, and then come back and just rinse and repeat until the entire story is told. That's great. Um, what are, what are some of the things that you read? What kind of comics did you read, kind of growing up that that uh, inform your work now, were kind of like a big influence on you coming up? Uh, I think I, I was actually mostly just uh, like superheroes and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I grew up, I had I had a couple of uncles that were just kind of like the prototypical comic geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, they had like the giant, 
you know, closet full of, uh, you know, it wasn't, a, they didn't have long boxes back then. They just had like a giant suitcase with a bunch of comics. Um, and, you know, before I could even read, like I was flipping through their stuff. And I remember books like, uh, you know, George Perez, uh, Teen Titans and uh, like Treadstar and God, like uh, Chris Claremont's uh, X-Men with John Byrne. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, really influential stuff. So, yeah, I was reading mostly superhero stuff. I didn't even discover, um, like, indie stuff, really. I mean, like, I mean, really indie stuff, not, like, I don't really consider, like, the early image stuff to be indie. I mean, it's still superheroes. Yeah. Um, and I was reading some of that. Like, I was I was on the bandwagon with the early image stuff, but I didn't discover, like, really, really indie stuff. Like, uh, do you know who Jim Food is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jim Food was my guy. I mean, Jim Food was... Uh, was was the guy that made me think, oh, okay, like, I didn't know you could make comics like this. Um, and I didn't discover him until, like, my first semester of college. And uh, I, you know, I had been trying to draw comics like superhero comics, like Marvel DC stuff. I had been trying to do that since I was a kid. And I was never any good at it. I mean, I, I just don't have whatever that is, you know. I don't have the patience to sit there and draw, like, you know, abs <laughs> poking through shirts. Through, through tights and stuff like that um so like i tried to do it and then i discovered the uh, indie stuff and that just changed everything uh and now like i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty balanced in what, in what i read uh what are you reading now oh not 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 very much <laughs> <laughs> like honestly like, i i have a giant shelf of stuff i bought at shows and friends have given me at shows i haven't read yet but uh, the stuff I am keeping up with, I'm keeping up with uh, Southern Bastards. Um, I'm keeping up with uh, Paper Girls. That's actually my favorite book. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's, I just, there's something about it that I just absolutely love. Like, I just love everything about it. Um, other than that, what am I reading? Uh, Headlopper. Uh, oh, man. I have tons of Walking Dead I need to catch up on. I, I mean, I have, like, pretty much all the trades, but mm-hmm. I haven't read it in forever. Um, God, what else? Lock and Key is another big one for me. And, uh, I know it's been over for years, but I still haven't, I have all of the hardcovers and, uh, I have not read the last one to this day. It's just sitting on my shelf because I know when I read it, it's going to wreck me. So like, I'm just waiting for, you know, for, for my deathbed or something to read this thing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was at a show in, uh, North Jersey. This is probably... It's probably going back two years. Paper Girls have been out for just a few months at this mm-hmm. point. But, you know, Cliff Chang was going to be at the show, and, and I had, like, the first trade there for him to sign. And, you know, I made a beeline because I was thinking there was going to be a line. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, you know, this is Brian K. Vaughn's new book. Whoever he's working with is going to be, you know, a hot artist in the moment. And it mm-hmm. was weird. There was, like, there was no line for Cliff Chang. And you know what, I don't know, you know what it is? I think it's, this is a very Jersey thing because I think with art, with the shows in my state, it's, it's always like people want to line up for like the legends, Hmm. Hmm. you know, but yeah, it's, it's weird. You can never tell. Cause I mean, we, I've been the shows where, you know, guys like, uh, Mike Mignola and, uh, God, uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name now, but, oh, uh, crap. Art Adams, yes, yes, Art Adams, yes. I just, I, I pictured the art, but I couldn't put the name. It's been a long day. Yeah. But uh, they were just sitting there, man. And I'm like, what are you, <laughs> like, like, no one's in front of their table. And uh, it's, it's always a little mind-blowing. But I try to, like, steal those moments to, like, meet those guys. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so to kind of uh, wrap up, uh, I got a Twitter, tw- uh, question on Twitter today from... Uh, a friend of the site, Zach Quaintance, uh, has working on Chew and Farmhand affected your appetite at all? <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny. Like, I was never, I've never been a foodie to begin with. My mm-hmm. wife was the foodie. But I actually, I, Chew was perfect for me because I've, I've always had a bad, I mean, it's better now, but I had a very rocky relationship with food. Uh, I mean, for years, just the like, digestion issues and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, you know, I, I completely was the perfect guy to draw Tony Chu. Um, 
but yeah, no, no, my relationship with food's actually improved over the over over the years. I can actually like, you know, I can actually enjoy what I'm eating now for whatever reason. Uh, how about beets? You getting your beets in? <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, I had had I never had beets before uh, before chew, and I did. <laughs> What did we do? My wife, like I said, she's a foodie, and she she actually became a really fantastic cook over the course of Chew. And uh, at some point, she cooked with beets, and it was a really surreal moment. Like she's in the kitchen, and she's a huge fan of like the Food Network stuff, like Chopped, and you know she she likes to just get a bunch of ingredients with no recipe and just whip something up, like as if she's like auditioning for something. <laughs> and. Uh, but one day she was just cooking with beets, and uh, I, I immediately turned my nose at it <laughs> as if I'd had it before, and uh, probably because of chew. But then I ate it, and I was like, "Huh, oh, this is really, this is actually pretty good." Um, so like, yeah, it, beets are actually pretty fantastic. <laughs> uh, um, Rob, as we're closing out, uh, how can people uh, follow you, or what do you, you know, what do we want to uh, plug besides, obviously. Uh, farmhand which when this goes up which will be next monday uh you know it, it it will have been out by the time this goes live yeah yeah so hopefully that goes well <laughs> but um yeah no I, I don't have anything else to plug i mean farmhand is, is is kind of the thing the only thing i've been working on i mean i i honestly am not i got nothing else in the tube i'm putting everything into this one thing um but yeah no my social media i'm at i'm on twitter at rob underscore guillory uh, Instagram also at Rob underscore Guillory, um, also on Facebook. Uh, my website is robguillory.com that I'm very bad at posting on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's it for me. All right, Rob. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. This was fun. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com where new episodes move Monday mornings. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. Join us next week when returning champion Zach Quaintance joins us to tell us all about his trip to San Diego Comic-Con, where we cover the show for the beat. Finally, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plan reviews, and we'll see you next time. WMQA!